Good morning, Rock family. How are you doing this morning? You guys good? Oh, you guys are energetic. I like that. That is going to help. That is going to help. Uh, I, you're amazing. You're amazing. Are you ready? She's ready. She's, she looked up. She saw, she saw me coming up on stage, and she's like, here we go. Here we go. Um, this morning, we're going to conclude the series Matters of the Mind, part nine. We've got an incredible series beginning next week on the book of Colossians. But this morning, I want to share with you a message, uh, joy, finding joy in the journey. How many of you know we can find joy in the journey? That's good that you believe that right now because it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to get worse before it gets better. Last week, uh, Pastor Dean gave us a prescription for mental health, and I want to focus again on, on this verse. I love this verse, Philippians 4, verse 4 and 8. It says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy. That doesn't sound like a suggestion. Does it, does it, I, you know what? I think it'd be a good idea for you to have. No, I, I think he's telling us we need to be full of joy. It says in verse 8, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Man, if we can just focus our mind and our thoughts on that scripture, on those descriptions, that will change our life. If we can focus on that. James 1, 2 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many of you had troubles of any kind this last week? Of any kind. It may be a marriage. It may be a career. It may be a job. It may be a child. It may be a teenager. It may have just been the barista that Starbucks. It just took way too long to get your order. But we have, it is an opportunity for joy. I believe this, that joy is a choice. I believe that joy is a choice. Yes, there's some feelings and some emotions that come along with it, but I believe that there is a choice when it comes to joy. There is a lot of, of what I'm going to share this morning that's uh, from a book that changed my life. It's called The 4-8 Principle. The 4-8 Principle by Tommy Newberry. 4-8 coming from the, the verse Philippians 4-8. And so a lot of what I'm going to share is going to be coming from that, but I, it changed my life so much I wanted to share from that this morning. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5-16, always be joyful. There it is again. We're, we're supposed to be full of joy. Always be joyful. But how many know sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to always be joyful? There's always an opportunity for joy. How many have ever been camping? Here, here, here it comes. Here, you guys ready for this? Well, uh, last, last, was it last week? It feels like a long time ago. We went camping, and it was a great time, but there was opportunities for joy opportunities for joy. Uh, love, love camping. Um, it's, it's something I'd love to do uh, once every five years, so it's, it's great. <laughs> but we took, out the, we took out all of our camping stuff, and we packed, and we went, and we unpacked. Of course, we were unpacking and setting up tents in the rain because it's an opportunity for joy. Uh, the weather was supposed to be in the 80s. It was more like in the 50s for the high. Uh, the second night, it snowed like this icy snow, uh, but both my daughters had brought shorts. Um, <laughs> and one hoodie, and so they were borrowing mine. 
uh, because they were cold. And that was just the sleeping arrangements. When my daughters woke up the second day, their tent had absorbed so much rain and snow. My daughter was basically floating in the back. Her sleeping bag and pillow had absorbed all of the snow and the ice. She was miserable. We threw that tent away um, that day because we're like, this, this isn't working. Uh, I realized on the first night that the uh, the camping stove, the only purpose that this camping stove have is, is to make me coffee. I've got two stoves when I go cooking. One of them is to make coffee. And it's, uh, Greg, you made the, like, you had the real, like, camping, fire, cooking, coffee thing. I mean, you were dedicated to the camp. I had, like, a, like, it's a coffee pot. Like, it's an actual, like, drip coffee pot that sips on a stove. Because I'm like, I want my coffee and I want it now, you know, kind of thing. And I brought one stove specifically for that purpose, but the little metal thing that attaches to the probe would not screw on to that stove. I was so angry. I threw that stove away. An opportunity for joy. The second morning, we're making uh, pancakes and, and bacon because you have to have bacon when you're camping. And we had the grill, and we had cleaned the grill out before we went because I know what happens when you cook bacon. So we're cooking bacon. But very quickly, there was more grease coming out of this bacon than we had prepared for. So there was a fire, not just like the flame, but like inferno fire now, it was cold outside, so there was the benefit of, like, warming us up. But at the same time, I'm like, that is burning the bacon. This is bad. So we turned the stove, what we thought was off. We just turned it down. But I wanted to kill the flame, so I, cl you know, I closed the, 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 the stove. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I think, it's, I think we're good. So we went on, you know, cooking, and then we realized someone had pointed out it's dripping flame from the bottom. We realized we had not turned it off. We had just turned it down. And so we were still adding fuel to this fire underneath, and it is dripping uh, fiery grease. It had burned a hole through the grease trap of the barbecue, had burned a hole through the table, had burned a hole through the Rubbermaid tub. I am not exaggerating. This is what happened. They know they were there. They were watching, and they, I, was, I told them, this, this, I'm sharing this like in two weeks when I get to ship. It was an opportunity for joy. Because now next time I go camping five years from now, I get to buy two new stoves, a new table, a new Rubbermaid tub, a new tent. Might run an RV in the process, but <laughs> we had an opportunity for joy. I want to share with you this morning eight steps to living with joy because joy is not just a destination. We have to find joy in the journey. If joy was only the day that you retired, you'll live your whole career without joy. If joy was only the day that your kids moved out, you'll live without joy and miss out on so much. Some of you guys laughed a little bit too much on that one. I don't know if that's good or not. If joy was the day that you was only on the day that you graduated, you'll endure school, but you'll never really find joy in what's really important. If joy was the day that you crossed whatever finish line it is that you're looking forward to, you'll always exist, but you'll never really live. There is joy that can be found in the journey, but sometimes you might just have to look a little bit harder. So let me give you eight steps here real quickly. If we get through five or six, that'll be good, and some of you will go home not missing, missing out. On, I won't do that. We'll, we'll get through them. Number one, write this down. Step number one, recognize the true source of joy. Recognize the true source of joy. If you're only looking in your circumstances for joy, you'll never find it because the circumstances are not your source of joy. It says in Psalm 43, I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. God is the source of my joy. 
I love what it says in Psalm 119 in the passage. It says, your promises are the source of my bubbling joy. I love I loved the visual description that that gives me. Somebody who is bubbling over with joy. The revelation of your word thrills me like one who has discovered hidden treasure. Do you remember that time when you were young where you discovered what was treasure to you and the joy that it brought to you in that moment? I was talking with my wife, and she shares a story. When she was about eight or nine, uh, she would walk from her house down to, like, the corner mini mart, and she would grab a whole bunch of candy. She would show the guy at the cashier uh, register what she, what she had in her hand, and then she would walk out. She wasn't stealing it. She was just, she was showing, because that's how she thought the process worked. She would show the candy, this is what I'm taking, and then she would walk out. What she didn't, so for her, she had discovered joy, the, the source of unending source of candy and sugar. But what she didn't know is um, that she, as she was showing the cash register, you know, guy that, that, that was there, he was making notes, basically keeping a tab. And then my wife's father would go down once a week and pay the tab on the candy that she was purchasing. And so there may have been happiness in the candy, but there was true joy in the relationship that she had with her father that was taking care of her. I told my daughter in first service, don't, that, don't, don't get any ideas because that's not happening. <laughs> I remember the first time I discovered, because we used to go out to, for whatever reason, I don't know why, if you like it, it's okay. We used to go to Sizzler like all the time when we were kids after church on Sunday for the brunch, for the, you know, for the, for the brunch. That, that was what we did if we got there in time. But I discovered this, not just this, not the salad bar, the ice cream. Like, the, like you, just, you just kept refilling like over and over and over and over. I'd see people go get one bowl and sit down like, don't you realize that there is this source of unending joy wrapped up in this machine? I think the first time I discovered it, I, must, I honestly had 10 to 12 bowls of ice cream, like really. Some of you are looking at me like I need help, I know. But after eating 10 to 12 bowls of ice cream, how many of you know that doesn't necessarily sit very well with you? And so I excused myself for a few moments and then came back afterwards and I realized, there's still more ice cream in that machine. <laughs> Went back a couple of more times. But when you discover that God is the source of unending joy, you can continue to go back over and over and over. Even when you get a little sick in life and it's just made a little bit of a mess, you can still go back for more joy. Jeremiah 1.3 says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. I love that picture that God is drawing us to himself. If you keep thinking of yourself the way that you used to be, that's all that you're going to continue to be. If we continue to base our self-worth on someone else's opinions, we're never going to find joy. Instead, we need to be focused on God's promises and not other people's opinions. God is your source for joy. Step number two. Forgive others without exception and mean it. It's one thing, oh, I forgive you. Oh, it's no big deal. But how many times has someone hurt you? They said you're sorry. You said it's no big deal, but on the inside, you knew it was a big deal. It hurt, it wounded, it affected you, but many times we carry it. Even if we say, oh, it's no big deal, but many times we carry that hurt for a long, long time. Matthew 6, 14, Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. That's rough. That is challenging. If I don't forgive, I'm withholding God from doing something in my life. 
Mark 11 says it like this, and whenever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him and forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also release you and forgive all of your faults. Verse 26, if you will not release forgiveness, don't expect your Father to release you from your misdeeds. I think it's so easy to allow an old wound to fester. What you thought wasn't a big deal, if you allow it to sit, can affect you maybe for days, maybe for months, and maybe for years. It may have been one word, it may have been one sentence, it may have been one action, one thought, one look, but you allow it to affect you and to stay and not to release you. What might have been an irritation can slowly kill you. I was about 18, uh, 19 or so working at a hotel and I got a blister on my heel. You're like, wow, big deal. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine said, hey, you need to put, a you need to put a Neosporin on that blister. I am not putting Neosporin on a blister, that's dumb. Should have put Neosporin on the blister. It was a few days later, my heel was kind of was, was hurting. And so while I was uh, on, a, on a break in, in between one of my classes, I looked at my heel. I was like, man, this, this kind of hurts. I looked and my heel uh, was black. I had a blister. My heel was now black. That's not good. It'll go away. So then I went to work that night. <laughs> and as I went to, to work that night, um, I... I felt kind of off, felt kind of funny, and I, and I looked, and the veins from my heel going up my calf and onto my quad, the veins were like red and swelling. Should have put Neosporin on the blister. Didn't think, I was like, ah, I'll be fine. Later that night, I was, I, was, I, was at, I was at my job, and I was putting some chairs on a high stack, and as I'm putting the chairs on the high stack, I nearly blacked out. Like, I, I blacked and, like, started, like, to stumble. The guys were, around me were like, you should probably go to the... I'm, you should probably go to the doctor or something. Nah, I'm good. I'll be fine. Certain amount of stubbornness exists in my life. I realize that. I'm working on it. But I, can, I continued to work. And then I was walking down uh, in between some of the buildings. And I remember both of my legs started cramping up to the place. I, I, could, I was struggling to now walk. Like This is not good. This is actually getting kind of bad. And finally, that common sense started to kick in. Some of that wisdom started to kick in. I'm like, I should probably go see someone about this. I went to my grandmother's house. She told me what doctor to go to. I went to some urgent care, uh, emergency room of some kind. You know, they gave me some shot, filled me with all kind of drugs and different kind of things. And the doctor's like, it's a good thing that you came in today because of how bad it was. If you had come in tomorrow, we may have had to amputate your leg. You have blood poisoning. Uh, your entire body is poisoning itself. Uh, if you had come in two days or maybe, you know, after that, you would probably be dead because of a blister. I now put Neosporin on blisters, <laughs> but I also begin to, I also realize it's, it's not just those physical things. Sometimes we allow that one word that was spoken to fester. And what hurt initially, what was an irritation can slowly kill you if you don't take care of it, if you don't forgive Bitterness becomes baggage and robs you of the potential of joy. People close to you are going to hurt you. Intentionally or unintentionally, we are going to be, hurt, be going to be hurt. We have to make forgiveness part of our daily routine to not allow it to fester because if we do, it can become a deep, deep wound. There was a time about six, uh, about six years ago when I um, had gone, uh, I had began to realize I've got some deep hurt. I've got some wounds. 
specifically towards one individual who I was close to. And I realized, man, this, this, this wound is, this is bad. I can't move forward because I'm stuck where I'm at. And so I asked, I asked my wife, I said, I need to go, I need to go away for a couple of days. And so I went up into the mountains and, and I went camping. My, co- my stove worked at the time. So that was, that was one good thing. But I sat there and I began to, li- I began to make a list. I took uh, a stack of, of like 300 three by five note cards took a stack of, of, of these cards, and, and I sat there, and over three days, began to write every hurt, every pain, everything that I felt was a lie, uh, every misstatement, every look, every conversation, with not, with not the intention of filling a lot of them, just, you know, I just I want to be able to write some things down. And over the course of three days, I filled up over 300 note cards of hurtful things and thing that had been spoken into my life. And I realized I am not going to be able to move forward until I can release these. On the fourth day, I sat in front of that camp. That is actually the picture of that day. I sat in front of the campfire, prayed over every single statement, hurt, lie, mistrust, every single thing, and burned them one at a time. Sat, it took a long time. But I was like, I am not leaving this place, this mountain, holding on to this pain any longer. Now, it was still a process after that. It wasn't like I left the mountain feeling absolutely overwhelmed, but I made a, state, I made a decision that day. I'm going to forgive, and I'm leaving this baggage behind. We have to forgive. It's best to forgive immediately and to mean it. But if you begin to recognize, man, there's some stuff. Get drastic if you have to, to forgive to let go. Step number three is this. After you've forgiven other people, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself quickly and again, mean it. It's one thing. It's, it's easy. Sometimes it's easier to forgive other people, but sometimes it's hard to forgive yourself. Psalm 32 verse 1 says, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. We have to begin to forgive our poor choices, our inappropriate thoughts, our words, our behaviors, the other self-destructive actions in our life, and remember that we are a work in progress. That's not a license to go out and sin and just do whatever, but we are a work in progress. We have to stop reminding ourselves of all the mistakes that we've made, because if we're doing that, all we're doing is suffocating our present because of our past. Guilt forces us to experience the present moment of sin by being paralyzed by our past. I love the author of Romans who quotes that exact verse again because we need to be reminded of it. What joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sins are put out of sight. When we ask forgiveness for God for ourselves, he says he, as far as the east is from the west, he has chosen to forget. Why are we reminding ourselves of what God has chosen to forget? God, we go to God, I've, I've forgiven that. I've, that's, that's, that's not in your life. But we continue to remind ourselves it's difficult to move forward if we can't forgive ourselves. If we want to find joy in the journey, we must forgive ourselves. Step number four, serve with our God-given gifts. When, there, there's, there's a certain amount, there's an um, incredible amount of joy when we serve. When you use the gift that you have to benefit somebody else, you, there, is, there is just joy found in that. First Peter 4, uh, 10 says, Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. 
I believe the most miserable people in this world are the most self-centered people. People who are self-centered just tend to be miserable because they're only focused on themselves. When we serve and are making a difference for other people, there is just joy that comes into our life. Pastor Brad mentioned just a few moments ago, uh, yesterday we had a team of our students. We had our first uh, Rev serve. We went out to an outreach and uh, with, uh, home of, of elderly people, 8 to 10 residents, and they just they served for three hours. Raking pine needles, pulling weeds, putting out mulch, making sandwiches uh, for their lunch. Uh, we had one girl, um, Rebecca, one of our youth leaders, she sat at the piano and played for three hours. We had a couple of our students um, helping her and just singing some worship songs. And uh, it was, um, we, had, we, had guy, we had some boys making, you know, making the sandwiches. We had some other girls, you know, uh, cleaning some restrooms uh, there, that were there. One of our leaders, Carissa, she has a jo her job, her passion is organization. If you need something organized in your life, find the girl. Krista, are you in this service? I don't know if you are in this service because I'm going to point you out and get you some business. This girl can organize anything. She walked in. Is there anything that you need organized? Yes. She just went to town. She was using her gifts. Rebecca was using her gifts playing the piano. Our some of our leaders, uh, Rick and Haley, you guys are amazing, who organized the thing. They were using their gifts. All of these young people, all of these leaders were using their gifts to make a difference. Yes, the, leader, the, the, the residents that were there, they were filled with joy because we had some people, young people, sitting around praying on them, loving on them. But our team left full of joy because they were serving. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, Don't minimize the powerful gifts that operate in your life, for it was imparted to you by the laying on of hands of the elders and was activated through the prophecy spoken over you. Your gifts are your strength. Other people may not have the strengths that you have, and you are needed. If, everyone, if you were just like everyone else in the world, what would you have to offer? So the question I want to ask you is, are you serving somewhere? Because it's important to serve. Wherever we are, God has not just called us to serve, but to be servants. Does that make sense? God has not just called us to worship, but to be worshipers. God has not just called us to serve, but to be servants. So wherever we are, we are supposed to serve. Imagine uh, this afternoon... Going home, you get, you get home and you just tell your spouse, you tell your parents, you tell your kids, I'm done serving, no more helping, I'm just going to sit here and eat, thank you very much. Is that going to go over well? Wives, if your husband says, no more serving, I'm not helping out, just feed me, is that going to be good? No, you'll have marital counseling with Pastor Aaron next week. How about in your workplace? You show up at workplace, you know, tomorrow, you know, tomorrow morning, and you're just like, you know what, I'm done. I'm done helping out. I'm just going to sit here and collect my paycheck. You tell your boss, you tell your other employees, you tell your coworkers, I'm done helping out. I'm just here for the money. That is not going to go over very well. Now, we, we wouldn't do that at home. We wouldn't do that at work. Not this service. Last service, we fixed and we corrected them. But last service... First service, there's a lot of people that just tend to show up at church and just say, you know what, I'm just going to show up and take a seat. I'm here for the free air conditioning. I'm here for the free mints. I'm not even going to go get them. I'm going to have Dell bring me the mints. I'm here for the free coffee. I'm here for the free childcare. I'm here for the free entertainment. If I stick around long enough, I'm going to get a free cookie. Now, not you guys, not, not second service. You guys are much more spiritual. You guys have spent all morning long praying, interceding, I know. Last service, we fixed and we corrected them. It's, it's all good. But we, we're not just supposed to show up. 
Man, we're called to serve. We're called to serve. If you're like, I'm, I'm not serving, there's a card in the seat pack in front of you. Fill it out and join a team and start serving somewhere. The family needs you. The team needs you. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. We're given a gift so that we can help each other. You're qualified to do whatever God wants you to do. But remember, there's, there's no faster way to remove the joy from serving than to compare your gift to someone else's gift. You are gifted to do what you are gifted to do at the level that you are gifted to do. If you are faithful in that, God will increase you, yes. But there's no faster way to remove your joy than to compare your gift with someone else. I, when, I, when I go to the gym, there's, I, I sometimes will listen to music. There's sometimes I listen to podcasts. But if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm going to listen to Stephen Furtick preaching because there's no faster way to get me like excited about life. I'm not going to compare my teaching gift to Stephen Furtick. I love him. I mean, I absolutely, I just, I think the world of, there's some other preachers, some other pastors. I love to listen to their teaching. I'm not going to compare my gift to theirs. I've got my gift, I'm going to use my gift. Because when I get to heaven and stand before Christ, he's not going to ask how their gift was compared to mine. What did you do with what I gave you? Serve, use your gifts. Concentrate on progress, not perfection. Use your gift to the best of your ability. Number five, step number five, remove negative self-talk and replace it with joy talk. Remove negative self-talk and replace it with joy talk. We know that we should be encouraging to those that are around us, but what about the words that you speak over yourself? What about the thoughts that you think about yourself, the things that you tell yourself when you're looking in the mirror? Proverbs 18, 21 says, your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. And the talkative person will reap the consequences. So are you encouraging or discouraging yourself? Are you motivating or deflating yourself? Are you generating joy or repelling it away from you? Your words are being recorded in your subconscious. Imagine if you, would rec if you had the ability to record every word that you spoke over yourself, every thought that you thought about yourself for 24 hours, and then tomorrow it was played for the world to hear. Probably that wouldn't be good for a lot of us. Man, if we could, because those words are playing over and over and over in our minds. Begin to speak what you're seeking in your life. Not just where you're at, where you want to be. Start programming your mind by first disciplining your mouth and your thoughts. Step number six, exercise extreme self-care. Now, there's a simple acronym that, I, that I've heard when I was younger for, for joy, Jesus, others, yourself. You put Jesus first, you serve others, and you will find joy. I do believe that to be true, but we do need to take care of ourselves in every way, emotionally, physically, relationally, spiritually, we have to exercise extreme self-care. Proverbs 4.23, above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from them flows the wellspring of life. I just want to ask you a couple, I'll read through a couple of questions that we have to be asking ourselves. Am I living the life that God intends for me, or am I just existing? Am I living the life that God intends for me? Uh, do I have a clear, compelling vision for my future from God? Do I, have a do I have a vision that is propelling me forward, drawing me forward? How about am I investing time alone each day with God? Are you investing time with God? Uh, does anyone in my life hold me accountable for my best self? 
How many of you know that's important to have somebody that can ask you the difficult, hard, honest questions? We need that. Do I constantly and consistently make healthy, nutritional choices? How many of you know you eat like garbage, you're going to feel like garbage? Like, that's just, that's just the simple truth. Like, like for real. You're not going to have joy if you're just eating whatever sits in front of you at any given moment. Might be happy for a moment, it's going to disappear. Am I getting sufficient sleep most nights? How many of you know if you don't get sleep, you get grumpy? Let's be honest. If you don't get sleep, you get grumpy. You need to get some sleep. Am I exercising in some way almost every day? How many of you know if you, there's just something about going for a good run, lifting some weights, hitting a punching bag, whatever it is, there's just something about releasing some of that energy that's going, it's going to allow you to be just a little bit more healthy. Do I have at least three close personal relationships? We need those friendships. We need those relationships if we're going to have joy. I've done pretty good at those, those first eight. These last two, not so much. Number nine, do I have extra time or margin built into my lifestyle? I know that is a work in progress for me. I love the, the daylight savings day where we get like the extra hour because I'm like, ooh, an extra hour to do more work. That's not healthy. But that, that is the way a lot of us live. We just try to cram more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And more and that's not healthy. The last one, and I, this one, whew, I don't like this one. Am I focused on progress rather than perfection? How many of you are perfectionists out there? Perfect. Some of us are perfectionists and we like things to be perfect. That's not going to happen. It might be if you're single and you're, not, and you're just by yourself all the time. It can be as perfect as you want. You get married and perfection is your definition of perfection changes. That was a safe way to put it. <laughs> then you have kids. Forget that. You might like things certain way, certain clean, certain, you know, organized a certain way. Then you're married and, and things all of a sudden change. Then you inherit their family and things really change. I walked into my house. Why is my coffee pot on the other side of the kitchen? It made sense where it was, next to the sink. Now it's on the other side of the kitchen. This is dumb. Where is my pan? I can't cook my food. Where did it go? Why is it in the cupboard? That makes no sense. You have kids. Where is the TV remote? I don't even understand. Why can you not put it back where you want? Where it needs to be. Why? why? I, don't, I don't understand. It's, it's progress, not perfection. Live your life in a healthy way. Two more real quick. Number seven, focus on what God wants you to become. Focus on what God wants you to become. It's not just what you see on the outside. Sometimes we look, and we look in the mirror and we see our reflection. We only see what exists now. We have to be able to see much deeper than what we see just on the outside. John 7 says, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. We have to, be, we have to see beyond our current state and see potential. Ephesians 3 says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Stop focusing just on what you see, just on your reflection. Great leaders and great coaches and great parents see potential. They see where you're at. They see where you can become. Okay, if we can just adjust this, tweak this, we can, this is where we can take you. Don't you think that God sees you where you're at now, but he knows where he can take you? Start seeing not just where you're at, but where he can take you. Start thinking about God's great plans for you. 
Step number eight and the last one. Act with joy now. Act with joy now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. It's not just what I see now. It's what I'm believing for. Sarah was believing for a child, even though she was well past the age of having a child, but she brought that child in because of her faith. Your circumstances may not look great. You're like, I don't feel happy. Happiness, I've heard it said, the happiness is the result of perfect circumstances. When everything is going right, when everything is going your way. Disneyland is called the happiest place on earth. Have you been there? Have you stood in that line two and three hours, then you get to the front and then it breaks down? That is not the happiest place on earth. Have you paid for tickets to Disneyland? You have to take a second out on your house just to get your family in the door. And I want to go to the new Disneyland park so bad, we're going to have to refinance our house a second time to be able to get into that place. My goodness. Coffee brings me happiness until it's gone. Ice cream brings me happiness until I eat that half gallon of ice cream in one sitting. Nutella brings me happiness when I eat the Sam's Club tub of Nutella in one sitting until I've done it. Don't judge me. The fast food burger and fries is, is great until it's gone, and then I immediately regret that decision. Joy is not happiness. Those are not the same. Happiness is when everything is going right. Joy is proactive happiness. It's seeing what can be. It's loving your spouse, not as they are, but who they could be. It's loving your child, not as they are, but who they could be. It's seeing what can become. If you take the initiative, you can bring out that full potential. I watched my son who's 10 months old. He's crawling all over the place. Walking is not far behind. He's got this little toy. He walks behind it, then he falls. I don't look at him and say, you're never going to amount to anything. Look at you, you fell. No, I'm, a joy is, is uh, the, the walking is right around the corner. I'm seeing the potential in him. Don't you think that God's your father, even though you fall and you make mistakes, is seeing your potential? Act now. Start your day with joy and end your day with joy. If you'll take the first 15 minutes of your day and just reflect on God's promises for your life, at the end of 30 days, you'll have spent seven and a half hours reflecting in joy. 15 minutes a day. If you will end your day with joy, looking at the things that you've accomplished, the victories that you have, the promises for tomorrow, you'll start the next day with joy. Start and end your day with joy. There is joy that can be found in your journey. Will you stand with me as we get ready to close? Will you stand? As you stand, will you just close your eyes for just a moment? I just want to pray over you before we give you an invitation to get to know God if you don't know that. But man, if your marriage has been difficult, you've been struggling to find happiness, you can find joy knowing that God is the source of your joy. Your husband, your wife is not the source of your joy. God is. Your teenager, your child may not be living and doing the things that you know that they should be. They are not the source of your joy. Look to the potential of what your marriage can become. Look to the potential of what your child can become. Your workplace, your job may be a place of difficulty. There is an opportunity for joy. But we can only have that kind of joy if we have the source of joy on the inside of us.
I would ask you today before we close, if you do not have God on the inside of you, you will not find the joy that he is promising. But when we have the source of joy that lives on the inside of us, we not only have joy, but we can be joyful. We can be overflowing with joy because your family needs it. Your coworkers need it. The people that you meet every single day need that joy. If you don't have joy, we want to introduce you right now to the God who is the source of joy. Will you open your eyes and look up at me right now? If you don't have a relationship with God, we want to introduce you to him right now. So if you don't have a relationship with him, one, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. Someone right next to you is going to pray with you and pray for you. We want to introduce you to him right now. One, you don't have a relationship with God. Two, maybe you did at one point, but you've walked away, but you want to this morning. Three, if that's you, will you just raise your hand? We want to introduce you to God, the source of joy, the source of life, the source of hope. Is there anybody in here this morning you need to know, you want to know, you know that you need to know God this morning. Is there anybody out there, if, you, if you're out there, if you just raise your hand high enough, we don't want to embarrass you, we want to cheer for you because it is the greatest decision that you'll ever make. Is there anybody out here this morning? Going once, going twice. All right, it's on you. Just kidding. If you're like, I don't want to raise my hand, there's going to be prayer teams up here in just a second. Let me pray over you one last time. Father, we thank you for your joy, for your presence that goes with us out these doors this morning. We will find joy in the journey. We thank you for it. Hey, thanks so much for watching. I hope the word of God is changing your life and you're being blessed and ministered to by participating in our services and enjoying the sermons that you see here online. If by chance that you've never made a commitment and a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, would you take a moment right now and repeat this prayer with me and take that leap of faith and put your trust in God. Pray with me now. Dear loving God, thank you for the gift of your son Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross and paid the penalty for my sins. And I invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. Thank you, Father, for saving me and loving me in Jesus' name. And just like that, you're adopted into the family of God. If you live in Colorado Springs or are going to be in the area, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our Woodman campus is at 4005 Lee Vance Drive. That is at the Woodman and Rangewood intersection. And our South Campus is located at 262 South Academy. Join us at either one of those locations. Check the website for service times. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.